Hey everybody, welcome to episode 121 of Making It. I'm sick, but I'm Bob Clyde, and I'm here with Jimmy DeResta. Hello, I'm Jimmy and I'm tired. <laughs> and David Pachito. It's been a long day. Hey, I'm David. I'm feeling pretty good. Oh, alright, well at least we have everything covered. Yeah, cool. Well, what's going on? Jimmy, what are you been up to? Why are you tired? Oh, well, I, I got here last night at about two in the morning, unloaded the truck, you know, the latest the latest full load of stuff to go up here. This kind of the rhythm is I, I work in this shop in the city in the daytime, kind of toward the end of the day, we load the truck and then when I'm feeling it, I hop in the truck and drive up here, I usually get up here at about one or two or three in the morning, go straight to the shop, unload, come home, try and unwind, fall asleep. And then this morning I woke up at eight. And started, I had to go get my trailer, then I had to go to Home Depot to get some accessories, and I loaded my trailer up, and then I drove the trailer 70 miles to pick up my power hammer. You guys remember the Ooh. video where I showed this guy Fletcher, this like old-time blacksmith guy, looks like Nick Nolte? So I went to Fletcher's shop to pick up the power hammer, and we uh, got me loaded up right away, and I videotaped the whole process, and gave me a lot of instructions, gave me all the parts. A lot of people were writing me saying, you buying a power hammer that doesn't have any parts on it. You know that, right? I'm like, as if I didn't notice. But everything is, is there on a pallet. So we loaded all the extra parts up. He gave me extra pieces, extra gear boxes, and he gave me an extra chain fall. I mean, he was he couldn't have been nicer. I mean, what a sweet guy. We really hit it off today. We, we definitely we definitely bonded our friendship. He's a super guy, and I'm going to actually come back and do some videos with him. And uh, yeah, so we spent some time in the shop. He showed me around, and then I said, "I have to leave because I have a podcast to do in two hours." And I drove like the wind to get here with a four thousand pounds of steel in my trailer. And every once in a nice. while, stopping and tightening the straps. And uh, I got here in time. So, I just dropped it, my trailer off at the shop, and and I got here in time to meet you guys. Is that something you can unload and load by yourself? Or is no, it- no, no. This I, I think mm-hmm. it's the type of thing that needs its own foundation. So I have to pour a foundation for it. <laughs> I want to put it in. I want to put it in the backyard behind my garage. And one day you guys will come up here. You'll see what I mean. I have this little small garage, the red one that the chickens are always hovering around. And at the back of it, I'm going to extend the roof about ten feet, so the roof line will stay the same. And then I'll have like an open air space to do my blacksmithing. And the power hammer is going to go under there. But before I move it to its final resting place, I'm going to pour, I got to pour a, a concrete slab for it, like a four foot by four foot by like one foot thick concrete slab. And it'll sit on mm. there. And then I have a, a lot of machining to do because Fletcher began the process of restoring it before they decided to sell it. They sold it for a friend, in fact, but before the friend decided to sell it, him and his buddies all started to restore it. So they were all kind of taking turns at doing the machining and fixing the bushings and stuff. And that's why it's in pieces. And he gave me a ton of material to help finish that process, new steel for pins and so I got my work cut out for me, but it's it's definitely going to be a learning experience. And I'm probably, I don't have any experience when it comes to using a power hammer, but I really bought it more for the nostalgic of it because it's just a cool looking piece of equipment. And uh, now it's in my possession. It's going to have a new that, life. That brings up a question here. Yeah. So, it, you know, it sounds like that if you have to pour a foundation, you're obviously going to take it to your final, to its final destination, not to the new shop. Yeah, it's that's right. I'm going to put it here on the temporary. Property. Yeah. So, do you? What else do you have that you're not putting in the new shop because it won't stay there indefinitely? Um, well, my lathe, my my South Bend lathe, which is another couple thousand pounds, and my Bridgeport mill. And since I'm kind of working in conjunction, I'm going to possibly keep the Tormac here. So I call it my machine shop, my little shop in the backyard here, the one that the chickens hover around. I'm going to keep that all as is. I'm going to also be able to keep a set of welders there in the backyard. So that will always be for metal. And that being said, I have all those machines in duplicate down in the city, which are all going to be up here. So I'll have them down the block and I'll have them here in my backyard. So people are going to hate me. So I'm sorry, I'm sorry for that. <laughs> two, two metal shops. But yeah, no. so the heavy stuff, there's no reason to move it. I'm going to keep it all here. Right. The heavy, heavy stuff. And then eventually when I have the building, my, my <coughs> fantasy building in the backyard, maybe I'll move them over to there or not because it's all going to be just a few hundred feet apart. Yeah. Yeah. So it might be good to keep that that crazy, like fiery stuff separate from the rest of the Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, I'd rather that little tiny place burn down than everything. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so now I got this giant thing on the back. I'm going to have to enlist my friend who owns a giant backhoe. 
to come and pick it up from like a, a lynch strap. We're going to lynch it up with a strap and be able to pick it up and place it. But I, it does. there's no need to get it off the trailer. I own the trailer. I didn't rent it. So for now, I'm going to leave it sitting there for just a few days and then figure out what the next step is. But uh, I'm home, safe, off the road. Driving something like that is very nerve-wracking because I'm driving and half the time my eyes are in front of me, half the time they're on the rearview mirror making sure nothing's getting loose. And there were a couple of straps. It's funny, no matter how many times, I could I could literally put all my body weight on the getting one click out of the strap. I'll drive for 10 miles, I'll stop, and I can get two clicks out of the strap. I'll drive for 10 miles and get two more clicks out of the strap. So you got to constantly keep checking your load and making sure that everything's tight and and you don't want any vibration or anything. So, do you think the straps are stretching? Possibly stretching, or the, yeah. the the machine itself, even though it was extremely heavy and placed in in its spot, it shifted a little bit. I noticed just from bumps in the road and stuff. It's almost unavoidable. So it shifted, hmm. and like when the the belts are on it at a diagonal, and if it shifts just a little bit, suddenly the belts can be loose or tight, depending upon which direction they shift in. So I kept checking on the way, and all the while making sure I was watching the clock to get here to see you guys. Nice. Yeah, but it's Glad cool. You made it. It's fun. Yeah, I'm looking forward to jumping in there and getting this thing put back together. Wait, David, what about you? What's new? Oh, we can talk about what's new. Uh, <laughs> we just bought. Notes. We just bought a house. <gasps> yes. Yeah, I know. Yesterday we got approved for the loan. We've been waiting two weeks for the answer, and it finally came through. So it is official. We're nice. we're getting a new house. It's got two garages and so the detached garage is going to be the new shop and <clears throat> we did we're not putting our house up for sale until we actually sign the papers that way we're not kind of stuck in between two places and my shop is going to be the last thing to go so i can keep working because it's important that i keep making money <laughs> and um <laughs> so uh during that that phase i'm going to try to find a, a a contractor to kind of gut the garage tear down the walls put in some good insulation uh for keeping heat and cool air in when necessary and also just for keeping the sound in um we're not very close to our neighbors but the garage is kind of butted up against the the neighbor's house and so i don't want to disturb them and um you know we're going to redo the electrical we're going to throw in a ceiling we're going to do the carpet thing like we mentioned before um people are going nuts about that but uh <laughs> I, I, if we can talk about the Let's. carpet shop for a second yeah so i mentioned that in my in my video that I, that i totally copied off of you i didn't plan on making this video and i thought oh and when i saw your video i thought oh that's a great idea and um so uh, the idea is to use like the basement carpet squares or something similar, some sort of industrial type carpeting. And I have th most of the places where I walk in my current shop, I uh, I have those carpet squares and I just sweep them up with sweeper and it works fine. So I don't know what the big deal would be to have it in the complete shop. And everybody's like, oh, what about rubber mats and, and everything? And this new shop is my dream shop. And it's very important to me that it feels comfortable when I'm in there. And so how it looks is extremely uh, high on the list of, of things that I want to accomplish with this new shop. And so I don't want the ugly rubber floor mats. I want I want carpet that I can sweep up. And um, I want it to look nice. And that's, that's where we are. A, a few people, most of, I would say half the people are like, that's cool. Can't wait to see how that works out for you. And then 25% um, of the people are like, you're an idiot. Just get rubber floor mats or <laughs> barn stable or horse mats or, I don't know, there's a few people that just, they want me to put rubber in there. And then uh, there's a few people that have just said, yeah, I've had a carpeted shop for years and it's um, it's amazing. And so just having a few people say that I've got a carpeted shop and it works out well makes me feel so much better about this decision. Even my father-in-law is like, wait, what? Really? You're going to... Yeah, so uh, that's the plan. And uh, so I warned people in the video that I might have a decreased amount of content, but that I'm really, really going to try to not miss any weeks. That's because I'm still paying Eric to come over once a week and uh, and film. So I'm going to try my best to not miss, miss any videos. I, I don't think I can put out two videos a week, but that's where we are. So um, New Shop, won't even, we're not even going to be moving in until July. We gave... We haven't, the closing date's not here yet, and then we gave the, 
new the previous owners 30 days to move out. But what I'm working on now is something that's really cool. At least it's really cool for me. And I'm calling it the ultimate router table. Ooh. And yeah, it's a it's a sponsored it's a sponsored video with with Rockler. So they sent me their their router table, which I think Jimmy has and their router table top, but I modified it. So it has a drawer on the top that has uh, it's going to hold all my all my bits and it's kind of a U-shaped drawer because the router itself has a dust collection underneath. It has dust collection on top and underneath. And so the top drawer of this is U-shaped to work around that dust collection and that's just to hold the the bits and and bushings. And then there's a huge big bottom drawer that's going to hold my other routers and my router jigs and it's on casters and it's got a big start stop button on the front of it. It's also got variable variable speed and it's a lift top and it's got it's it's got all the bells and whistles that you could want in a router table. So I'm calling it the ultimate router table. And I'm, I just finished it minutes ago, right before we started this podcast. And you know when you, you ever finish a, a project and you just kind of stand there and look at it for like thirty seconds, just <laughs> yeah, like I did that. That's what I that's what I was doing right before we hit record. I always tell my students, you want to make something so that when the first thing in the morning you wake up, you want to run and look at it. Right? Exactly. Mm. Right? Yes, I know that feeling. Yeah. yeah. It's like awesome. when you're in love with a girl or something. You want to like, the first thing you want to do is like get in touch with them. The first thing you want to do is go look at the thing you made, you know, whatever it is. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You said you made it with all the bells and whistles. Does it literally have bells and whistles? Because it's not ultimate unless it actually has those. <laughs> Well, it will now. I'm gonna okay. as soon as we're done, I'm gonna put some bells and whistles on it. That would be awesome. It'd be a good way to to spice up spice up the video there. Add some bells and whistles. That's cool. I'm busy. looking forward to seeing that. Thank yes, you. I have Thank been super busy. Um, today is the one day this week that I'm in town. I left on Friday to go out to California. Went to Maker Fair, and it was a fantastic trip. And I got back last night on Tuesday night late, and. Uh, it was awesome. Got to see a whole lot of people. I did a panel talk with uh, Mark Rober and Laura Kampf and Peter Brown, and it went great. And I did a talk by myself, and it went pretty well, I think. And met a lot of people. Found out that the Glowforge is actually shipping. They have shipped units, and so they are wow. moving along, which is really good. I'm glad for them. Uh, it was great. Really good time. And I have a video that I'm, I'm working up today, just kind of an overview of the whole trip. <clears throat> And I got sick somewhere along the way, so hmm. little little throat stuff, and that's no fun, but I don't feel bad. I just sound like, you know, bad. And then so today, I'm home. I had a live stream this morning. We're doing the podcast today. Tonight, I'm going to start packing more boxes, and tomorrow, we're going to pack up our first load in the moving truck to move to Kentucky. So wow, we're taking our first trip up there. We're going to try to break it up over the summer. So we're not actually moving until late July, but we're going to take, I think, three trips at this point, you know, three big truckloads to move the whole house. And so this first trip is non-essential stuff. You know, it's like pieces of furniture that we don't need on a regular basis, um, you know, winter clothes and just stuff that, that we won't really miss. So hopefully we can take a bunch of stuff up there and then not miss it. And then when we actually move up there that we can just get rid of all that stuff. <laughs> Probably won't happen, but... That's what I'm doing. I'm moving so much stuff to the shop, and then I'm going to really make a final decision. There is stuff I know I'm yeah. not going to want down in the shop, but I can't decide on everything. I can be like, ah, I'll figure it out later. It's tough. It's tough. <laughs> Which means it, it means it won't go anywhere. It's probably. probably true. Yeah. But yeah, so we're moving as well. So all three of us are now moving. New shops. In fact, somebody on Facebook earlier today that we should, said that we should change the name of the podcast to Moving It. Nah, that's funny. <laughs> That's great. I think that was uh, Alex, I think. So, Alex, good one on you. Yeah, so the moving process is going to be really interesting. I don't know how you guys... I mean, Jimmy, I know we've heard you doing several loads of stuff uh, because it's within range. I'm not really sure how I'm going to do it because it's not in the same city. I mean, it's like 12 hours away. We're we're moving. So, I'm going to try my best to do it all at one time, but I can't even really think through what that's going to be like to rip down all of the tools, yeah. all of the 3D printers and the you know the stuff in my office as well, the computer equipment, take all that down at one time, put it in a truck, move it up there, and then get it set up at least to a degree to where I can do basic stuff. You know, obviously I don't have to have the whole thing set up right away, but man, that's just... 
I'm at a point now where it's like, where's the sandpaper? Oh, wait, we didn't bring it up yet. Where's the router? Uh, oh, wait, we brought it up. So it's like wherever I am is exactly the one thing that I need. It's either in one direction or the other. And because I have multiples, yeah. I try to remember to at least leave one of everything in the city. But when I'm helping, when people are helping me, they're like, oh, all the sanders? So they throw all the sand. And then I bring it up and I realize every single one is up here or down there or vice versa. So, yeah, yeah it's a pain in the butt. But it's just temporary. It'll, it'll all work out in the long term. Yeah, I mean, I guess any of this stuff is just the the process of getting there, and then once we get there, then it'll be history after that. But it seems like you're in the middle of it, right? And I'm looking down the barrel of it. So I'm to me, it's like, oh my goodness, like how do we move a house of six oh. people, and we have so much junk, and plus the work. You know, how do I do work, and how do I move the shop? And, yeah. and then we get there. How do we renovate the house before we actually move into it? Twelve hours away, and you know, so it's a lot. But at the same time, I'm super excited about it. I'm excited about the move. I'm excited about like the opportunity and the new content that's going to come out of it. and So it's going to be really good. And I'm excited for both of you guys. I'm glad that we all kind of get to go through the Pain. stuff at the same time. The pain at the same time. <laughs> yeah. So I got to tell you guys, I haven't told you this yet, but um, being at Maker Faire this weekend, I got to meet, you know, like we always do, we get to meet a ton of people, get to see old friends, uh, you know, YouTube friends and just maker friends in general and stuff. But I, this year I had so many people uh, come up and say something about the podcast and tell me and you guys, thank you. And they wanted me to just, you know, pass this along to you. Thank you for doing the show. And I can't even really repeat all of the kind things that were said because That's it sweet. would sound like I was bragging, but, I, and, and I don't want it to sound like that, but Brag away. people, okay. <laughs> I mean, people were, I mean, we had, I had multiple people come up and say that, like, just the random stuff that we talk about, like, literally changed their life, changed the direction of what they were doing, wow. and changed how they looked at their jobs and their future jobs and what they thought of themselves. And, I mean, it was really overwhelming. And I got, as I was trying to leave one of these events one night, Andy Berkey and Laura Kampf kind of cornered me and, and said a lot of that same type of stuff. And, you know, coming from two people like that, that I really respect and like I, they, neither one of them need us, right? Neither one of them need really anything. They're both fantastic at what they do. And to hear both of them say <coughs> that we had an impact on who they are at this very moment was hmm. just really amazing and impactful. So all of those people out there, if you're listening and I got to meet you and you said kind things to me or about the guys, thank you. Thank you. It was, yeah, it was unbelievable. Um, one more thing on that before we move on. So you remember a few weeks ago we did the questions thing and you guys, uh, Jimmy, you asked who our favorite drummer was. Yeah. Remember this? Uh -huh, uh -huh. So I said, Darren King, <clears throat> when I get back, I got a note, okay. a package from Ben, Ben Vogel saying, and look at this. My goodness. He no. is a photographer and he had a portrait that a really nice portrait of Darren King, who I mentioned was my favorite drummer. And he oh. sent me a print. Of oh, this portrait, and he awesome. got he wrote me a big long letter, like a full page letter, Very cool. um, echoing a lot of the same stuff that I just said about how we made a difference and changed, uh, you know, the way he thought about stuff. And he's a photographer and had this thing, and he knew that I would like it, and so he sent it to me. It was really kind. Very cool. I'm not asking people to send stuff, but that was really it was very <laughs> nice. So that's beautiful. Nice. Yeah. Um, okay, I've been talking for a while. I do have a question about moving stuff before we get too far, though. So, I think we will probably all move differently, and we will all move our shops in very different <laughs> different versions of organization. I'm curious, though, Jimmy, are you literally just, like, dumping everything in that corner in a box and taking it, or do you have, like, a method to... Like the order of stuff that you're taking out, or how you're packaging it, you know. We try. We try to put one or two big machines in the truck at a time, and then fill in with small stuff around it, so that I can constantly be taking up a, a big machine, a big machine. A big, so every week I try to take up something big, and then a couple of small things around it. It's going to get down to the wire where I'm going to have to make a couple of fast trips. I can rent a truck, but there's the problem in renting a truck is I have nowhere to put it once I get to the city. I can move around and manipulate parking my own car, no problem. I haven't totally like been doing that for years. But if I bought a, if I rented a big step van, I had nowhere to put it. And then when I drive upstate from the city, there's certain roads I can't drive on, so I'd have to take an extra long way to get up here. Then I'd have to return it. 
So the thought of renting a truck when it's not necessary, which is why everyone says, why don't you just rent a truck and hire a bunch of people? It'll be done in one day. That's overwhelming because of all those logistics, but on top of the fact that I just have to jam everything in there and not really organize the, the onload and the offload and decide what I need next and what do I need next. And, you know, over these last few months, I've been planning videos and saying, okay, I'm going to do the video. I'm going to use this tool in that video. I'm going to make sure I keep this around. Okay, I'm not, using, I'm not moving my CNC machine until I absolutely know I don't need it for a project. But now I have electric upstate and I'm upstate half the week and I'm downstate. So now it's getting to a point where I can work in either spot. I just have to make a plan and stick to that plan. And I'm dragging projects like little bits and pieces of projects are in my truck. They're here, they're there, they're here, they're there. But as long as I leave them in my truck and like I said, in, in a month from now it'll all be back to normal up here with plenty of room around me. And I, my, but my, my whole life is... Uh, Remember, remember the peanuts? What was the one? The Linus's friend that had like dust floating around him the whole time. What was his name? Pigpen. Yeah, that's what my whole life is, and that's what my truck is like. It's like there's just like little bumpy lines floating around me and my truck everywhere I go, because I'm like kicking up dust and you know, and uh, yeah. But it's 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 really it's exciting. It's I'm really excited about it. I'm glad it happened this way as opposed to me like getting evicted and having to do it when I'm not ready. Um, mm. You know, because I was over the years, my, my big fear is that I would get evicted because either me or Ryan or one of my other shop mates, you know, caused the problem that was beyond my own personal control. And uh, but no, I'm leaving amicably and the, the landlord is a friend and we, we remain friends. So that's cool. And my, my neighbors upstairs who who hate my guts, we're at a point now where we just look at each other and laugh. It's like, yeah, yeah, I know. I'm, a, I'm an idiot. And you hate me. And I make smells and blah, blah, blah. I make noise. OK, OK. And uh it's it's at a point now, like, when I told her a couple weeks ago, I said, I'm actually really moving. She's like, you say that all the time, but you never move. When are you really going to move? I was like, no, really, by July 1st, I swear I'm not going to be here. In fact, they had their cousins or relatives or somebody, I probably told you this, they contacted me through Facebook year, like a year ago, and they're like, you know, my cousins live upstairs, and you make noise, and... You know, it's it's really rude of you. And I wrote back. I said, hey, I'm doing the best I can. I'm trying to move out. And it's just a matter of getting a new space. And hmm. They may have answered me, but I get so many Facebook messages I can't follow up. I, just a note, a side note of Facebook. Facebook forces you to download and use another app, which is why I never answer anybody's Facebook. Yeah, I hate that. I, it's yeah. like, oh, go to Facebook Messenger. And then it's like, you got 6,000 messages you didn't know about because we split the app in two. And now you got to download Facebook Messenger. I, I just, there's only so much bandwidth we can deal with in a week. And so anybody that deals with me on Facebook, I'm sorry. Just, you know, my email address, just email me. I'll answer you from my phone the way I always do. Cause you, the you, human you'll bandwidth. Be, you'll be one of 42,000 emails that he has to Exactly. So that's, yeah. and then like, and then like, I remember once I on Facebook, I answered all the emails. I'm like, I put that all to bed. This is a couple of years ago. And then I saw a little thing that said another 99, like an other and like in a section i clicked on that it's like hey man i love you pa. i love this oh what are we gonna like i'm gonna be in the city can i come hang out and it's like all emails from like the last four years i didn't know facebook yeah. splits them up like that anyway so well, here's, a, a, here's a tip with, with face with facebook with your pages it's different from the personal thing i don't think you can really control that but you can actually turn off the ability to receive messages on a page uh -huh. so like your business page or whatever like i turned mine off because i couldn't keep up with that stream of input because you know email twitter everything else and so i was just trying to minimize them you know so what you could do too you, you, you hold your thumb on the on the home button of the phone and then all the squares become jiggly and you hit the x over the facebook app. <laughs> <laughs> and you never get that's any, how you deal with problems you, you right never there. get any you never get any problems and you just say <laughs> oh my phone was in my pocket i didn't realize facebook has been gone for a month <laughs> You ever, you ever pick your phone up and like all your apps are jiggling and like they're completely yes. rearranged and you try to put them back in the same order and it just won't let you? It's like one of those like little tile games. There's like no way you're ever going to get it back to the order you've been used to for the last three months. <laughs> so you just stop using apps because you don't know where they went. <laughs> you're like, ah, forget it. I don't need that app anymore. It's off the main screen. <laughs> yeah, no, but moving is just, you just got to, it's just a matter of... I like to reduce things to their simplest form just so I can mentally get my head around them. And I'm picking up objects and I'm putting them in my car and then I'm taking them out of my car somewhere else. And that's it. Hmm. So, David, I know your move is a good ways away, but when you think about moving the shop, do you have like a method that you've thought about, like an order to things or are you just 
it's all got to go in one day kind of i'm a whole hmm, i don't know i haven't given that much thought because it is going to be the last thing to go yeah Uh, like we might still be working here in the basement um and living at the other place i don't know uh i definitely want to hire some movers to getting the table saw down the basement stairs was insane i can't even imagine how hard it is going to be to get it out so i'm definitely going to hire some people and i don't know a few months ago i went through and deleted deleted i got trashed or gave away a bunch of stuff that i didn't use anymore so i've i I kind of downsized a little bit Mm. yeah i don't have a plan try to do it all in one day wouldn't it be nice if you could hold like a home button like in your life and then everything around you jiggled and you could just push the X that floated next to it? <laughs> yep. Or rearrange yep. push them around and rearrange them so they're off your main page. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's that would be cool. Fantasy. Cool. Well we've talked about moving. What else are we gonna talk about? <laughs> um well I thought uh, a good buddy of mine just hit a huge milestone and so and and another good buddy of mine hit a milestone not too long ago, so I figured we should talk about milestones. <laughs> what what milestone? What buddy are you talking about? What buddies? Well, just uh, two days ago, Jimmy Dressa hit a million subscribers. <gasps> he did. Whoop, whoop. <gasps> I didn't whoop. even email him. Yet. Oh, you didn't. You didn't know. <laughs> oh, I gotta I gotta talk to him. And then I think was it last month or the previous month, Bob? You hit a million subscribers. So I wanted I wanted to talk about milestones and whether or not uh, they're important to what you do. It's funny. Uh, I didn't think it was going to be a big deal. And then Sunday rolls around and Brett, Brett was up the weekend with me working in the shop and, you know, helping me rearrange and organize them. And Brett's like, dude, you're only like 4,000 away. And I, I don't know, you're only like, like 500 away or something like that. And I'm like, ah, you know, maybe I'll get it. And then like an hour later, it was, it went really quickly. The long story is it went really quickly. So then it like, we just ate dinner, me and Taylor, and we had a couple of other friends around and Willie. And then we had the, the, the counter up the live count on one of the YouTube apps and it's going, it's going 87, 88, 83, 82, 84, 79. And it's like, it went like that. It kept going two up, three down, three up, one down, two, one up, down, up, down, up, down until it got to the million. And it took probably about 45 minutes for like the last hundred and we just kept watching while hmm. reading dinner. Then after dinner, we were all just standing around staring at the phone. And Raina was texting me. Raina reminded me it was getting close. Raina's been watching. She's, she's an awesome supporter of everything. And it was, uh, it was nice. It was really nice. And then I immediately started getting text messages from everybody that know me. And, you know, and then the vlog I had put out just a couple hours before that. And so the vlog basically turned into like the one million thing. And I made this hokey video of me making all these different versions of the rest of one million and i didn't i thought the opening was kind of hokey so i sent it around to a few loyal fans that always give me good opinions and they all liked it so with their blessing i posted it of me playing it's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll that was what nobody probably got what that was because i sped it up because it just sounded so crummy so i sped it up so it sounded a little better and then also sped up all the video brett mostly edited that and then i did the once over and tweaked it a little bit and um but it was it was it's exciting. Ultimately, the long story is it was exciting, and my viewership was everything. All my analytics have been down in the last month. Everything's been down, and the minute I hit a million, everything's starting to upswing. And Bob, I noticed you're already at almost another quarter million on top of the one million. Yeah, it's incredible. Yep, I mean, like, it's how is it going so quickly? It's it's just insane. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I and also, no like Matthias, <laughs> I think Matthias is already at like one point three million. Hmm. Which is incredible because he was only like 10,000 ahead of me. And then when he hit the million, it's like you get into the jet stream. And like I said, my, my analytics have all been up since I went into a million. Like I'm adding like 1,000 to, 1, to like 1,600 a day, which I was way below that. Um, and I think, you know, who knows what that is? I mean, I haven't been making the, the most dynamic content only because I've just been busy with the move. And, um, you know, anytime I make hatchets and weapons and stuff, everything goes viral. But I haven't had a chance to do much of that. Which, by the way, I met Bill Duran yesterday. He, oh, yeah. I mean, I know Bill. Awesome. But, of course, he came to the shop. Him and his wife and a friend of theirs came to the shop. And we hung out. And we came up with a collaboration video. I'm going to make some sort of heavy steel object that looks like some sort of, like, medieval weapon. And I'm going to send it to Bill. And then he's going to make exactly the same thing, but in prop materials, like foam nice. rubber and stuff. So we, we have a challenge awesome. we're going to work on. 
That's really cool. But after all said and done, it was a really nice milestone, and I really just can't believe I've come this far. I can't believe we've all come this far because I remember when I decided to do YouTube, and I probably told this story. I opened up YouTube, and I started looking around, and I found Chucky2009, who had 30,000 subscribers, and I had like 400 because I had a little lingering channel. It was just like little tidbits of nothingness on it. And I said, wow, this like 19-year-old kid from Ohio has got 30,000 subscribers, man. Wow. I mean, I don't think I'll ever get that far. I don't think I'll ever get to 30,000 subscribers. And now here we all are. Everybody's just into the hundreds of thousands. Of, you know, it's just incredible. Like this whole community is like, it's like a powerhouse. It's like, a, and the best thing about it is it's like a powerhouse of media creation that has nothing to do with anybody but each one of our individual selves. Mm-hmm. And the fans. And that's it. It's just us and the fans. And we're all fans of each other. So like the line between fan and creator is so blurred. And that is awesome too, because there's no threshold that people have to cross. All they have to do is just start. And that's That's an excellent point. That's the only that. threshold. That's awesome. And anybody could do what we do. And I encourage everybody to do what we do because sharing of ideas and you know, we all support each other and you know, we all buy each other's products if we have them and we share stickers and it's just so so amazing and just to be a little bit more long-winded talking today to to Fletcher and his wife they're old school they're like 70 and they are not at all attached to the to the social media and uh, they were talking about you know some of their relatives and friends said hey you guys should you know get involved in the maker world and they have no idea how to do it and so I told them today I said look I promise you guys whatever it takes for me to get you guys involved let's do it you know, whether I come here and I make a video, if you, if, cause, cause Fletcher has got so much intimate knowledge of making things. 70 years, it's all he's ever done his entire life. And like hanging out with him, he just constantly is dropping pearls of wisdom and he gives it freely. It's not like, hey, did you know? I know, you, I know something you don't know. It just like falls out of his mouth. It's like, oh, if you do this, this will, I'm like, oh my God, that's revolutionary. And he does that like every three minutes. He tells you, cause he's just been around moving equipment and welding equipment and, machining equipment and so i said if i come here on a saturday and we just i'll make four videos of you doing whatever it is you do here i said the world will immediately scoop you up so that's just milestones i think we all we we we, it's nice to look forward to these milestones but you know it's the day-to-day that is important and you know i got a, a beautiful text message from berkey who's you know so heartfelt and and all the guys, everybody, you know, you guys, everybody's, you know, dropped me a note one way or another. And it's just, it's nice. It's nice that we all support each other. And, you know, that's all. I'm done talking. Sorry. <laughs> well, as far as like the, you know, you're talking about things ramping up after 1 million. I thought about that because I saw that as well. And I think any of the milestones do that because, well, this is my assumption. I could be wrong. Um, that YouTube, a lot of the way that it promotes you is based on your engagement. And so when you hit a milestone, all of the people that are happy for you and, you know, want to say congratulations, they start typing comments and they like the video and that's all engagement. So there's that when you hit that threshold, it causes a bunch of engagement, which causes the algorithm to be like, oh, this dude's doing something popular. Let's show him off more, which then causes more subs, which then causes more, you know, it's like this cool cycle. Um, that's my assumption is why that works because I've seen it happen with me and you and like a lot of other people when they hit a hundred thousand, that's always a big one. When they hit the million, it's always a big one. The funny thing is too, is Taylor's videos, like she was anxious to hit 10,000 channel views so that she could monetize or turn on monetization. And Mm. so it was like, Hey, you're only like, you know, me and Brett were watching. We're like, Hey, you only got like another couple hundred, another couple thousand, another couple of hundred to get to that point. She got to it. So like, Maybe, I don't even know, like maybe Sunday she was at 10,000. Now she's almost at 30,000. And, wow. And, it, you know, channel views. She's just started two weeks ago. And, yeah. and it's amazing how quick it's starting to go. And it's, it's, I mean, I don't know what she's at right this very moment, but all of a sudden it just went, it went like this, whoop, you know, in, in that little microcosm of, of, you know, the very infancy of a channel. And it could have to do with people you know, because of me. And then she was on, I did a little live broadcast for about 10 minutes, thanking everybody right when that happened on Instagram and Taylor was in there for a second. So Brett thinks maybe that had to do with it on Sunday night, but it's, uh, it's nice. It's nice that we all get to share what we do. And, you know, my, I was talking to my buddy yesterday and he said, he thinks the world of YouTube is going to make it difficult for colleges to survive. 
you know, technical colleges and colleges that help people through the learning process. He said, hmm. he looked at me and he, and he, he made a point, my buddy Doug, he looked at me and goes, you are a university in and of yourself. Because what you just put on the, the internet in the last seven years is what people pay $50,000 a year to go to college for. Because yeah. they can just stay well, home you, and do it. Well, your post is college, but I think there can still be a place for, for schools. Oh, absolutely. They can, they can provide the tools. They can provide the, the people that know that, that you know know how to use those tools. Uh, the cool thing is, though, it it might not be as necessary. If you want to be a web developer, you really don't need to go to college. You just need to, like focus but for some people they need to get away from home and they need to go to this this building every day where they can't do anything but focus mm -hmm. on, on on the class yeah. so i think there's still a place for sure i don't think it's as necessary and then i mean we're getting off the topic but the idea of a college is i tell students when they want to leave school i'm like you need to stay in school so you can develop relationships with yes. your contemporaries and then with your mentors and it's those relationships that get you through life Totally. Um, yeah, for me with the milestone thing, like it, I, I was looking ahead to a million a lot, um, and I, you know it. It just it's like such a stupid number. It's such a gigantic number that um, I just was looking forward to it a lot. And then as it got there, I like <laughs> same kind of thing. I know it's going to happen this afternoon, and we were like at the park or something, and I got home and like opened my computer. And I'm like, oh, oh, it's like right here, you know. And I got all anxious, like all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, I'm going to miss it, ah! and you know, like hit screen record, and then it just like skipped right by. And it's just funny because I had spent you know several months like, oh, it's this thing that's off in the distance, it's off in the distance, and then all of a sudden it was just there, and then it was gone. You know, it was like over with, which was still gratifying, but yeah. it was like New Year's Eve. It's like. <gasps> Yeah. Oh, okay. What are we doing for lunch and then tomorrow? Like, okay. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like, okay, it's gone. Now I got to go back to work. Right. You know? Um. So it's really cool, but at the same time, like I, it, that that feeling of like going up really, really high, and then okay, it's over, made me kind of be like, oh, you know, I mean, it's cool. It's very, very cool, but it's also not a big deal. <laughs> like it has no particular value in and of itself. It's just like a, a reference point, you know. For do you growth. think it has no value in it because? In life, you need little you need little goals and you need these little milestones to 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 push yourself to get there. And then when you get there, you you set the next one. Yeah, no, I think milestones are very important. Yeah, no, I don't mean that. And I, that is an example of a milestone. But you could also set every you know every ten people that you get subscribed to your channel could be a new milestone if that's how you set it for yourself. The number one million, I think, is just like this. Uh, it's just part of the culture that we live, the YouTube culture, you know, like that's a, but I was talk, actually talking to somebody the other day and this is another assumption that I have no basis for, <laughs> but when we started watching or when I started watching YouTube, uh, you know, several years ago and the number of creators was far smaller, the number of people who were at or over a million subscribers was relatively small because the overall pool of viewers was so much smaller than it is now. Mm -hmm. And so now I've seen the number, like I wish I had stats on this. It would be really interesting to see how many channels are have over a million subscribers versus how many total viewers there are. Because I think the number of total viewers has gone up so much and is constantly going up. I think, and there's overlap between who they subscribe to. I think the number of like, hundred thousand channels or million channels or 10 million channels is just going to continue to get bigger faster than it has in the past you know what i mean yeah. like the viewing pool is getting bigger and every faster single buddy so. every single person i talk to says i don't really watch tv anymore i just watch youtube you know like yeah. and then that's people that are you know 50 60 years old as i mean of course kids like you know that's not even we don't even need to comment on that because that's all kids watch is youtube but, you know, people of our generation who are like, eh, I'm not an email guy, you know, but uh, I watch you on YouTube. You know, I have a couple of fans that they say, it's so funny, I, these couple of fans of mine, I'm like, do you, uh, do you watch? Nope, I only watch you. I'm like, did you ever see this guy? I, I, when I tell you, I only watch you as you, I only watch you. I'm like, you don't see any of those things. I don't know how to use the interface. I don't know what I'm doing. It says a video of yours pops up. I click it and I watch you. That's it. I'm like. 
there's no other suggestion. He goes, I don't want to watch anybody else. I just want to watch you. These two like old school guys. It's amazing to me. I'm like, you could, there's so much more than just me. I'm like, if you like what I do, this I could suggest 20 guys that you would like probably better than me. Nah, that's fine. I, I just like you. <laughs> I want Jimmy to do the rest of the podcast in that voice. <laughs> and, the guy, and then he opens up. He's like, let me show you something. And he opens a flip phone and tries to find a picture on a flip phone. It's like looking at like a... A Nintendo picture from 1980. <laughs> I'm going to put that thing away. <laughs> I mean, milestones, I think, are a huge part of, like, how you move forward, right? You know, you have to set those milestones. I think in our world, that means often subscriber or view counts. That's just a way we gauge stuff. But I'm curious in this conversation, do you guys have other milestones that you... Buying you know, house. like, Yeah. I mean, that's a huge milestone for me. I've never gone through the the home buying process, and so this is my first. I, I married into this house, and I just feel like I'm more of an adult now. Like, yeah. I've I've lived my 20s and 30s with, the, with terrible credit and not managing money, and then spent the last 10 years trying to fix all that, and it worked. Yeah, now you I pulled it like, off in an environment. Like right now, the envi- yeah. I couldn't even remortgage. I got this. This house is like worth three hundred grand, and I was going to try to borrow like less than that just to like kind of refinance, and the bank wouldn't give it to me. It had really more to do with the value of the house and less about my own personal income because I was able to provide all that. But you're in an environment now where it's almost impossible to get a mortgage, and I hear these mm-hmm. commercials all the time about like, oh, we give it more. I'm like, who are they giving mortgages to? Guys that have that much money in the bank that don't need a mortgage. Like those are the only people that qualify. It's like just so impossible to get a mortgage. So the fact that you did it in this environment is amazing. I got mine when they were giving out money to whoever just knocked on the door. So I got my mortgage in 2004. And mm. at the same, it's the same thing. It was just a tremendous, I was like, wow. I, I remember being at the signing. I'm like, wait, now the house is mine and that's it. There's no more. Like, nope, that's <laughs> it. The only thing I got to do is pay the bill now. I'm like, I got my car, I drove straight up here. I got here at like three in the morning. And then I got into the house at three in the morning. It was all dark. And my girlfriend at the time was like, I'm not coming up there. It's too late. And I got here and I, I came into the house and I'm like creeping around the house for the first time all by myself at three in the morning. You feel like you're breaking in. No, not not that. But I was scared. I'm like, there's nobody around. There's no noise. There's nothing. And I'm in this big giant house all by myself. I was afraid <laughs> to go to I sleep. Do? I laid in the couch and stared at the ceiling. <laughs> I was too afraid to go into a bedroom. I okay. Being up here alone is creepy sometimes. I'm over it now, but for the first you know year, like coming up here and being alone is just weird. You think there's ghosts in the house because it's that old. John Adams, the guy that built the house, is probably watching every move I make. <laughs> <laughs> so, David, buying the house was a big uh, milestone for you. Do you have another one? Like, do, are you are you now? I know it's fresh, so maybe you don't have another one that you're already looking to, but. What? I mean, I I always look for like when I was younger and I was in college. A, a big milestone was like I can't wait to finally get my first job out of college that doesn't involve me stocking shelves at Kmart. And so that was a huge milestone because I worked. These are all things that I've worked up to. Anything I, like I worked up to getting married. I worked up to getting that first job out of college. I worked up to actually buying buying a house. Um, it's it's the things that you work hard for to try to. To make your life better, you know, yeah. all all those things are milestones for me. I, my next big milestone is building this building that I keep lying about that I'm going to make. I, I, that's really <laughs> it's like the boy who cried wolf. I don't even want to say it anymore because I'm embarrassed. But I, that's that's a big milestone for me. And you know, behind the scenes, things definitely are moving along. And and I got the money to start it without having to go to credit. And I'm excited about that. So that's definitely something I want to try and accomplish next. You know, there there is something I want to say and why this feels so big to me. It's because everything that I've – I feel like with some of the comments that I get like, oh, you've got money and you got all the tools and, and you're good to go. And it's not it's not always been like that. I grew up in, in a house where like we got free lunches at school because we couldn't afford it. The government would send us food because we couldn't – like we always had – we were always able to eat. We always had shelter. But we grew up in a pretty poor environment. Mm-hmm. And I somehow get, escaped that. 
And I right. was able to go to school and I was able to work and, and then move up to different jobs throughout my life to get to where I am now. And that's why it feels so good now good because there was, mm. there, there was a time in my life where I had nothing and now I've earned all this. I feel good, good about for it. You. That's a great feeling. Yeah. It really is. My, I, I remember as a kid, my dad was constantly, my dad had four kids, Bob, you have you can identify. My dad had four kids and he was constantly pulling the money out of his pocket and counting it. I, I mean, me and my brothers would laugh at like mm. he was counting his money again. He'd be like, okay, I spent $5 on hot dogs. I bought the soda. And it wasn't until I got older that I realized he's raising four kids, a mortgage, a wife, a house, two cars on a fireman's salary and, and side work. My dad always did like three extra jobs. He was never around. He worked constantly. And to be able, and the milestone for me is to be able to like comfortably live and not have to constantly make sure that I'm like within, you know, five or $10 of my last pocket money until I get paid again. And, uh, you know, so as a kid, I, it would annoy me that my dad was always counting money. But as I got older, I realized, oh, wow. I mean, look at the burden he had. And he, yeah. you know, and he gave us a good life. I mean, we never went hungry. I mean, there were things I never had and there were things I could, we couldn't afford, but I would, that's when I was a kid, I would decide to make them. I made my own go-kart. Mm. I made my own mini bike. I made, you know, we got parts. We, we scrap. I always wanted a Schwinn bike. I scrapped all the parts together for a Schwinn bike. I made my own version. I painted it the color I wanted. And we were just as proud to have the things we made as we were the things that, you know, the richer kids were able to actually go and buy the brand new one. I, and it's uh, <laughs> a funny joke. My brother once said on stage, he goes, he goes, for once I wanted a Christmas gift that didn't like look like it was returned to the store by some other family before we got it. <laughs> You know, everything we ever bought always had like two layers of scotch tape at the at the tab because it was already returned by some other family and it was in the discount section and my dad bought it for us. But in you know, in hindsight, I he had a lot to do and you know, so like you said, growing up in that type of environment and getting to where we all are now, I'm not saying I'm rich, but I certainly live more comfortable than my dad and, and to me that's a big accomplishment. I mean I certainly don't have the burdens that he had with kids and stuff. But yeah, milestones and kids are like a whole, it's like a whole different conversation because, you know, before we had kids, um, the milestones were, you know, buying our first home. It was like when I had enough money to pay off one car, stuff like that. You know, it's like we were working together and two adults working towards something like that. You know, you can make a lot of progress. And then when you add kids to that, the the money perspective of it changes a lot. But then like the focus of what a milestone is within your family, at least for us, turned out to be pretty different. So we all of a sudden became far less into like, uh, you know, when are we going to buy our next house or when are we going to pay this car off? And it was like, oh, okay, now we have to know how to deal with this new thing about a kid. Now the kid can move around the house by itself. What are we going to do about that? You know? <laughs> um, and so, and then when you add more kids to that, you're like, you know, when they start uh, the milestones are, you know, when they start doing certain things, when they can play mm -hmm. together versus like being one being too old to play with the other one. And, uh, when you can trust them to do certain things on their own and the milestones, because they change so quickly, the milestones happen so much closer together than like your personal ones as an adult. Cause you know, you save a couple of years to pay off a thing. That's a couple of years with kids. Like every two months, they're entirely different than they were before. Um, in a good way. I mean, it's, it's amazing, you know, but you just watch them change constantly and constantly. And now that they're a little bit older, those changes are slowing down a little bit. Um, but it feels like the milestones are almost, they're exciting, but they're almost sour, souring a little bit. Like it's awesome that my oldest is old enough to do all this stuff by himself but it's kind of a bummer that he's like mm. wanting to do stuff by himself, right? Yeah. You know, that he doesn't necessarily need me to do things for him or with him. I mean, he's not that old, so it's, we're still close and I'm definitely still valuable to them, but I can see that as they start to get older and they become teenagers and more independent, which is the thing that you want, but it also hurts greatly, you know? So I'm, I'm interested to see how the milestones that we've, that we pay attention to with our kids will change, uh, you know, as they, continue to grow up. I mean, I guess it's from now on, you know, like they'll eventually move out of the house. They won't need us. And then they'll have their own milestones, milestones that we're excited about. You know, when they get married, when they have kids, when they get jobs, when they finish school, when they do all these things that are really about them, but we still care about it just as much as they will. So it's going to be interesting to see how that stuff happens. 
I don't really know how to, what to expect there. <laughs> but yep. And moving into moving into the the new house for us is it's been on my list like having a bigger shop has been a a point in time that I've looked forward to almost more, well definitely more than hitting a million subscribers. Ever since I started doing this as a hobby uh and feeling the constraint of being in a small space and like you know i can i can literally see like reach out and feel my limits the walls on each side i can reach out and feel them and uh so it's been it's been something i've really been looking forward to to just have a little more room to be able to you know to stretch out like mentally and physically stretch out and just have space to do more so this move uh, is going to be pretty big for that reason and because we're moving back to where I grew up. And so that's always been something I've wanted but never thought was very realistic. So there's a whole bunch of stuff about this move that it, that is going to make a pretty... I expect it to make a pretty significant change to me and to the business and to my family and to my extended family. And so a lot of milestones in this move for me. But. Yeah. That's it. And that's the, the other thing is yeah. having milestones helps you focus on the goal. Yes. So that's an important yeah. thing to remember and to not forget. It's like you you need to set milestones, give you a direction, it gives you a focus. Yeah. And it, it helps you measure progress. I mean, if you don't have a thing that you're looking at, then you, how do you know when you get there, right? Yep. And that, that's one of the dangers, I think, about like the million subscriber thing. Like, I don't want to keep going back to that, but that's a big number. And if you start YouTube and that's the number that you, that's the only number that you're looking at, or that's the one that you look at the most, that's a really far way away. Not that I'm sure that every single person is capable of getting there, <clears throat> but that's a big number to be your goal. <laughs> so, you know, if you're doing that or anything else, uh, set goals and set milestones, but, you know, put them kind of close so that you can have some wins so that you can have some progress and then set another one after you get there, you know? Yeah, don't no, go for a million. Like, go for go for a thousand. Go for ten thousand. Go for a hundred thousand. Go for two hundred thousand. You know. Yeah, just I remember. You know, a lot of a lot of the guys in the in the make group. You know, that they're, they're getting to a thousand, or they're getting to ten thousand, or they're getting to twenty five thousand, and and it's it's a really big accomplishment because you know we we remember going through each one of those. Well, you guys been watching anything <gasps> cool? Listening to anything cool? <laughs> I gotta look at my phone. <laughs> Jimmy wrote down what he thought was cool, and he has to find that piece of paper. So he's going to go look for that now. Uh, sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, last night I started watching the PBS Ken Burns documentary on Frank Lloyd Wright. And it's it's really good. And you kind of get to see where his architecture skills and background comes from and why he did certain things. It's just really cool because he really did things in a very different way when it came to making houses and building and churches and, and, uh, and just architecture in general, he, he took a very different approach. So, um, uh, I, it is a PBS documentary. It may be on the PBS app, depending on the area that you are in, somebody has it up on their YouTube channel. And I'm not sure if it's an official PBS channel, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll find a proper link and, and, and post that. For That's cool. Oh, I'm sorry. Hold on. Can you stop this? Oh, my God. I can't turn this Jimmy's off. just going to play his pick. I'm going to play yeah. my pick. Okay, everybody listen. Close your eyes and imagine what you're seeing. I'm going to talk about Chris from ClickSpring. We all know him, I hope. If you don't, you should know him. But he's working on making a, a, a duplicate version of the Antikythera mechanism. Does anybody know what that is? It's an ancient oh my mechanism. Goodness. That is... You know what that it's is? It's so crazy. It's my. It's well, I watched his video. It's mind-boggling. It's, it hurts my head. Is my. He is like a computer in his thought process, and he makes it. It's like effortless. Effortless when he figures out things and explains them. He's he's the best editor, explainer on YouTube. He's amazing. He's just so good. I and he's talking about how ancient the ancient Greeks could make gears. And when you think about it. How do you make gears that mesh? If you ever try to make a gear, we're not, not talking to you, Matthias. I'm talking about anybody that that's not you. If you ever try to make a gear, it's impossible to make a gear in a regular manner. You know, so everything's the same. And then it meshes with something other gear you made. Now, imagine making like 
30 or 40 of them and they're all like, you know, as big as a quarter, as big as three inches down as small as a quarter. Well, Chris covers how they probably did it with uh, the available tools at the time in ancient Greece. It's a, the Antikythera mechanism, if I'm saying the word correctly, is, is a mechanism that was found at the bottom of the Mediterranean. It's basically all corroded into one big lump. And it's from ancient times, I mean, pre-BC. And it, they, they can only assume more. Maybe they have definite facts. Now they, they know it was designed to mimic the planetary movement of, of the planets. The movement of the planets and it's a bunch of gears like in this big chunky setting anyway he's making they x-rayed the machine a thousand times and they, they have it all dissected visually it's one big lump of like it's like a big lump of coral right now and but they've been able to dissect it and they basically it's like something that doesn't should not exist from the time that it really is from and it's the only thing like that. You would assume that there would be like a pocket watch that looks like that or something that lifts the lampshade or that turns on a switch. It's the only piece from that time period. So it can only be from aliens. So, uh, Chris, <laughs> Chris is making it over. So Chris is making it over and, and he's rationalizing how it would have been done, which is the best part of... Obviously, he could make anything. He's extremely skilled. But the, the negotiating and the... And the and the reasoning of how it could have been done. And he's trying different methods with limited, you know, with limited tools to try and mimic how it could have been done. So it's just amazing to watch him, you know, try one method and then figure out another method. So it's a series that's probably going to go on for quite a while. So check out ClickSpring's new series. Yeah. I mean, just seeing him, you know, measure out the, the gears and everything with the current, like the modern tools. Yep. That's like I I would I would explode because I just don't have that patience to yeah. do that correctly and and then to think like well they didn't have anything close to this amount of precision with their calipers and with their yeah. compasses and yeah you know, they didn't oh, have Starrett yeah. I mean Starrett's been around for a while I don't think it goes back that far though but one thing um, when he said in that one video where he was dissecting the gears and how to make the gears he goes with his great voice he's like you could take him and you could just trial and error. And he did like trial and error to get like this dissect the circle. <laughs> and when he did that, I was immediately like, oh my God, trial and error is not the hack way to do it because I am a hack and I do it the hack way. I just, I say, well, I don't know. How do you split a circle into nine pieces? You got to just keep trying until you get nine pieces. Uh, there's got to be a better way to do this, but I'm a learning disability. I'll never learn it. And then I watch him do it. And that's how he decide. That's how you divide a circle into nine pieces. You just, set the dividers you guess where nine is and okay we got to take out one ninth of that spot and you try to get oh i got to add one ninth more of that little empty space and hmm. and and then you get it till it works so i was impressed that the way he was doing it was the way i've been doing it my whole life but thinking that i was doing something completely wrong because i don't know how to do math so hmm. thank you chris there you go thank you for that's awesome letting me come out of the closet <laughs> my bad math ability um, well, for me, so I'm going to recommend a video I actually haven't watched yet. But, and I've what? talked about this guy before. Yeah, I know. Uh, William Osman. We've talked about him before. Like, I've recommend, recommended him before. So, at Maker Fair, I, I went out. Um, I knew he was going to be there. We had talked about catching up. But I walked out of one of the tents, just trying to get out of the crowd and, like, you know, go take a breather. And I walk around this corner, and I see these three guys. And there's a guy standing there with the camera. And there's a guy standing there with a ladle full of sugar with a propane torch underneath it. And he's melting the sugar in the ladle. The other guy has a five-gallon bucket with an angle grinder stuck in the bottom of it and like a soup can on the inside of the angle grinder. Sounds like a party. Exactly. Yeah, it sounds... And there's a sign on the ground that says free candy. So that's just completely sketchy right there. Turns out that <laughs> William Osmond and his friends were making cotton candy with an angle grinder in the parking lot at Maker Fair, and it was awesome. And it worked. Oh, wow. So, yeah. I've seen the video. It's good. He, yeah. Will and is it, making some of the best YouTube Maker videos out there right now. They're just yeah. super entertaining, and you get to watch him do the <coughs> trial and error, and he shows all his fail failures, and he does it in a very entertaining way. Yeah, they're they're excellent, and they're super well made. He's also just a really smart guy. He's an engineer, uh, so he approach, approaches projects in a very different way than I would, at least. Um, but he's a really cool guy. We got to hang out a little bit, and I was thrilled to 
turn a corner and find that situation happening. <laughs> so, <laughs> and apparently I'm in the video. Somebody told me, but I haven't watched it yet. So you are in the video. Yep. I am. I am in the video. So I'll put that link there in the show notes, and you guys can go check it out. Um, before we run, I want to thank our Patreon supporters, who are all awesome, and we're very grateful for all you guys. Uh, especially Make Build Modify, who I got to meet this weekend. He was at at Maker Fair, and he's super tall. Oh wow, Justin, it was great so to meet you. I feel like I, I when you said you, just now when you said I got to meet him, I'm like you haven't met him yet. I'm thinking, wait, I never met him in person either. I think I talked to him so often. I feel <laughs> yeah. like I know him. We've talked to him a lot. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So got to meet him. So Make Build Modify and Wise Old Dow are our top supporters over there. Thank you guys. We're grateful for everybody. Uh, it's super cool that you guys help out the show. And again, thank you to everybody who, you know, said something nice about the show this weekend at Maker Fair who took the time to let me know what it means to him. Really grateful for that. And I tried to pass on as much as I could to the guys here. So thank you for that. Um, I guess that's it. You guys, you guys got anything else? No, I got to get packing. <laughs> yeah. I got to go too. pack. I got to go organize cool. yeah. my pile, my shaky pile of dirt. <laughs> old pig pen have fun pig pen thank you see you guys later one four later. three good night guys thank you all very much for the love love you